Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. God, we're excited about what you're doing, God, and it's just the beginning. And God, today, God, we need you to do a work in our hearts again. God, we didn't come here to waste your time, and we know that you're not about to waste ours. But God, we need you today. We need you to touch us, to change us, to transform us. We thank you. We praise you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, high five two people around you and say, God's so good. God's so good. God is so good. God is so good. You know, originally when we planned our series on unity, we normally try to take calendar months and we try to stick within a month. But So for four weeks we were looking and that was our plan for unity. We were going to talk about unity in our minds. We were going to talk about unity in our marriages and in our homes and families. And then we were going to talk about unity in the church, our Vision Sunday, and, and end on a strong note. But I couldn't get away from the fact, I really felt there was a fifth dimension to this message that I believe is so important and just as important as those others, and that is this, our finances, our finances. And so today I want to talk about having unity in my finances. Say that with me, unity. Unity. In my finances, our scripture again is Genesis 11 verse 6. And look, God says, the people are united and they speak the same language. While they're one is the thought, God says, there is nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. The power of unity coming together, God says by his confession, nothing is impossible And I believe this, that includes your finances too. Because for many of us, we look at our finances as an impossibility, a lost cause. We don't have enough. We've got more month than money. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And it looks like it's an impossibility. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to touch your finances and give you financial wisdom how to handle your money too. So here's the question as we begin today. My question is this, what does worry do? What does worry, perhaps it would be better to say, what does worry not do? Because we know the results. Have you ever worried about money? Most, if not all of us, have faced a stressful financial situation. Maybe you're in it right now. You haven't slept well. You're, You're worrying. You're consumed by it. You're carrying a heavy burden. A financial burden is a heavy burden to carry. Worry, actually, the meaning of it is an old English word, and it's worgen, and it means this, literally, to strangle or to choke. So what does worry do? It wants to strangle the life out of you and leave you merely surviving, making it hard for you to enjoy life when you are worried all the time. So what does worry do? Are you ready? Here's the answer. It robs your life. 
It takes from you the blessings that God has for your lives. And we're talking about finances today. So what does it do? It robs your life of the blessings that God wants to give to you. So I want to talk today about unity in our finances or worry-free finances. How we can not worry about the finances. Here's a great scripture for you. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. This is Jesus speaking of himself. And he says these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He is speaking this of himself. But I believe it's more than just a statement of who he is. I believe this is a promise for every one of us today. Because Jesus says, because of who I am, look what's possible in your life. Because Jesus says, I am anointed to bring good news to the poor. If you don't have a lot, then Jesus said, I'm anointed and I'm coming to you with a message. He has sent me to what? Proclaim to the captives that they will be released. He has sent me to the blind so that they will see and that the oppressed would be set free. What a promise for our lives. Freedom God has. Freedom God has for our lives. Now, the greatest freedom we know is spiritual freedom, knowing Christ and receiving Christ. And we see also in there, there's physical freedom, there's healing, there's breakthroughs, there's miracles, the captives set free. But you know what? I believe there's also financial freedom in there too. And we fail to see that, that God wants to set us free. Look at these stats, pretty alarming stats here. 80% of Americans, they say, worry about money all of the time. They go to bed thinking about it. They wake up thinking about it. All night they think about it. Look at this. 70% of American households are living paycheck to paycheck. So that means they are one unexpected situation from a financial collapse. Losing everything. Consumer debt, and this was in 2012, consumer debts, mainly that on credit cards of this nation, is nearing $2.8 trillion. Not million, not billion, trillion dollars. 50% of American marriages end in divorce, with most claiming that financial problems was the primary reason For the demise of their marriage. It was the stress of finances that put the stress upon our marriage. So it ended in divorce. Those aren't just stats today. They represent real life stories. Maybe your story today. But what's God's plan? We've got to discover when we look at things like that. We can get knocked out of shape and say, man, what's the hope? We've got to discover what God's plan is. Because that's Satan's plan. He wants to bring division and destruction, but God still has a plan. And what is God's plan? God wants us to walk in freedom. God wants us to have unity in our finances for us not to be consumed in worry. And that's why God addresses this important area of finances over and over again in His Word. Why is that? Because he knows that one of the greatest struggles that we will have, what will consume us more than anything perhaps else, is the stress and strain of finance. So think about this. Look at this. There are over 2,000 scriptures, verses in the Bible that deal specifically with finance. 
The Bible addresses, wow, I was blown away when I discovered this. The Bible addresses money more than heaven and hell combined. There are five times more things said about money in God's Word than there are about prayer. Wow, prayer is important, but God five times more than prayer addresses, talks about money. 16 out of the 38 stories or parables that Jesus told dealt with money management. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the Bible is full of wisdom and insight and knowledge and direction when it comes to our finances. We just need to know the truth, the Bible says, and then the truth we know can bring freedom to our lives. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to teach you the truth of having financial blessing in your life. So I'm going to give you two truths, and they're pretty simple. The truths go like this, tithing and management. Tithing and management. These are proven truths that will work for your life. But what we've got to understand is these are truths or principles that God gives. So they are principles. We can read God's Word. It's the principle of tithing. It's the principle of money management. But to those principles, there's also a requirement, and that requirement is our commitment. It's our commitment because that's how the principles and the truths work when we are committed to doing those. So these are concepts straight from God's Word. Psalms 119.45, let me lay the groundwork. The Bible says, I will walk in freedom. That's what God wants for my life. But what happens? How do I walk in freedom? Because I have devoted myself to your commandments. God, I'm going to follow your word. If I want freedom in my life, I'm going to give my life to your word that can bring freedom. And so we're giving you keys, tools today that will bring freedom to your life. So the first part of the message is this. Are you ready? Tithing consistently. I didn't just say tithing. I said consistently. In anything we do, the foundation is extremely important. What we do first. Because it provides the secure starting point for the further and future progress and growth. Laying the groundwork is key for any future success. If you want to shortcut things, this isn't where you do it. You don't shortcut, you shouldn't in anywhere, but the foundation is not the place. And so many times we can say, well, the foundation is not important, no one sees it. It's vital for the growth and development. So what is the foundational principle we find in God's Word for handling our finances? Here it is, tithing. It's the rock that we can build our lives. It's the foundation. It's that which we need. And let me say it this way. If you want to be successful in life, you need to tithe in order to see success. And you've got to hear that today. And it's a principle that was mentioned from Abraham in the Old Testament all the way to Jesus in the New Testament. It's not just an old covenant. It's part of the New Testament too. And you know, I'm always conscious when you hear the word tithing, it sparks different responses from people. One of the responses that we hear is this, oh, here we go again. They're just after my money, 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 money. No, we're not. And if you're saying that, that's the response of a non-tither. just want you to know that. 
Because if you're a tither, you're saying, man, I want to hear this because it excites me as a tither to hear of the benefits and the blessings because I know it works. Kelly and I have proven it in our work. But here's something I want you to see today. Are you ready? Just let me settle you a little bit. Just relax. You can let go of your wallet. We're not coming after it. Just relax today. And you've got to see tithing as bigger than just what's in your hand. Because tithing is what's in your heart. God doesn't want your money. He wants you. He wants you. And one of the greatest tests that we have in our lives is with our finances. And so when we can put God first with that, we can pretty much safely say that He has our lives. Because if we can trust Him with that, the greatest test of our lives, then we can really trust God with anything. So tithe, the word tithe defined is this. Tithing is giving the first 10% of your income to God. And I've added this through his local church. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. It's not just bringing a tenth, it's bringing the first tenth. You see, tithing is a faith statement. As we're going to see in this next scripture, it takes trust to tithe. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God's instruction, bring it. But then what does God say? As you bring it, here's what you can do. God says, try me now in this. The King James says, put me to the test. Test me. I will be proven true, God says, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Not because God's a God of waste, remember, but God is a God of blessing. So he wants to bless me so I can be a blessing to other people. God wants to bless me so I can give to the heart for the house. God wants to bless me so I can reach out and not be bound by poverty, but have a spirit of generosity in our life. What an incredible promise that God says, tithe, test me and see if I will not bless you. So God's principle, the foundation for our finances is God says tithe, but now our commitment is to do it consistently, to bring the first 10% of our income to God. Well, I'm just going to decide my tithe. Well, you just go ahead, but God's already told you what it is. A lot of people want to determine how much they should give. It's a percentage of what you make, and God has already told us that. But what is up to us is this, whether we will decide to be obedient to God in that, and obedience will always bring reward. Let me add this too. We believe the tithe belongs in the local church. It says bring your tithe. It doesn't say send your tithe. It says bring your tithe. It says bring it to your storehouse. That's your church. That's where you are fed. Your tithe helps for the church to do all that God has called it to do. That there's food in the house. There's food. You had some breakfast today. That's some physical food. But you're getting some spiritual food today. You're getting the provision that you need. And that's why Grow Track. We, we push Grow Track. Incidentally, it's week one. You need to be a part of that. But Grow Track, our first week, the purpose really of our first week is to share the vision of our church for this. We want you to say, I want to belong to that. 
We want you to become a member. Really, the goal of week one of Grow Track is to get you so excited about this church and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be vested in that. Well, why is that so important? Because everyone needs a place to call home. You need a place where you can put down your roots and you can get planted. Psalms 92, 13 and 14 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. It doesn't say those who are planted in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. It doesn't say those who are planted in the Mercedes Superdome. It doesn't say those who are planted in the lake on Sunday mornings. It says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking flourishing today. You're, You're looking flourishing today. Look at this. They shall bear fruit in old age. I'm getting to the place where I'm saying amen to that verse now almost. Come on, we're going to bear fruit. They shall be fresh and flourishing. The thought there is they're still green. They're not brittle. They're not going to break. They've still got life inside of them. But where does that come to those who are planted in the house? So I believe that your tithe belongs in the local church. That's why you need a local church to be planted in so you can pay and bring your tithes. And notice the term that God uses about tithing again. He says, test me, try me, prove me. I'm going to say it this way. See what I can do. It's like a a challenge. Come on, challenge me. Come on, a dare you, a double dog dare you, God is saying. Put me to the test. Don't just believe in me. Put it to the test. A couple of verses earlier in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, the last part of that verse, we see God say these words. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. We also see in James 4, verse 8, the same thought. So Old Testament and new, God says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So here's my question, who moves first? Who moves first? Return to me, God says, and I will. God says, draw nigh to me and I will. So who moves first? We do. God's response to our initiative. As we take the first step towards him, trusting in him. Oh, we know God wants to be close, but God cannot force himself where he's not welcomed. So when we take that step of faith, we're saying, God, you're welcome. If there was a thousand steps between you and God, he'll take 999. He just requires you to take the first step. You've got to take that first step. And I know tithing isn't always easy to do. You can figure it out and look at the bills and they're mounting up. And it's not always easy. And it may require a sacrifice at times. But God's word says, you've got to test me. Through the good days and the bad days, you've got to put me. And the greater the test is when there's more month than money. So let's discover some truths about tithing today. And again, have an open heart, please. Tithing is giving back to God what already belongs to Him. It's all His anyway. It's all already His. Leviticus 27 verse 30, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is yours. No, no, it's the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It belongs to God, all of it. It's not ours to keep with it and do it as we please. And we're going to talk more about that later. The first part 
or the first portion we are required to bring back to God. And what does that do? That redeems the rest. In other words, it's all His, but He allows us to keep 90%. And we can say, well, that's not good. I think that's good. Because with that 90% after we tithe, it goes a whole lot further than our 100% untithe. So as we tithe, we're not doing a God a favor. Maybe today you thought, man, I'm just doing God a favor. He maybe needs to pay some bills, so I'm just doing God a favor today. No, you are simply returning, bringing back to God what all already belongs to Him. I think that really helps when we start to develop the right mentality when it comes. Here's another thing we know about tithing is this. Tithing increases my faith in God. It's an act of faith when we're given with only a promise of return. It would be good for us to get and then give, wouldn't it? But that's not faith. That's not testing. So there's a promise, but we've got to be reminded today, who's making the promise? I'm not making the promise. God is making the promise. And God has never broken one promise. Faith, you can try and get around it, whatever you want, but it's impossible to have a relationship without faith in God. Faith is an incredibly important part of our lives as believers in God. Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Not only is faith essential to have a relationship with God, but it's also essential to walk in financial freedom, to be able to tithe, to be able to trust God. And a faith that's not tried is a faith that cannot be trusted. Come on, a faith that's not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And as we tithe and as we give, we're going to understand that we can trust God with our lives. So our bringing that act of faith gives God the opportunity. It creates space for God to move supernaturally. Come on, the supernatural. Say with me, supernatural. What is the super if you've been here for a long time? The supernatural is you bring the natural and God will add the super to it. That's the super that he attaches to your natural. Supernatural cannot be figured out on a calculator. How how does $90 equal more than $100? How does $900 equal more than $1,000? How does $9,000 equal more than $10,000? I'm just doing some tithe math there. How does that equal? You can't figure it out on a calculator because that's natural where God works supernaturally. How can 90% blessed go further than 100% unblessed? I don't know, but it does. But it does, but it does, but it does. So what is the supernatural? Here it is. The supernatural is the God realm that we access financially through tithing. You want God to bless your finances, you need a supernatural blessing because the natural ain't cutting it. So if you need the supernatural, we access that supernatural in the realm of our finances through tithing. And trusting God. You won't see it if you don't sow it. If you've got no seed in the ground, there's no harvest that's going to come. And let's just be real. You know what? Two of the main reasons we're reluctant to tithe. Here's two reasons why we're reluctant to tithe. Number one, because we have selfish desires. 
well, what about my needs? What about my wants? I want this and I need this. I'm saving up for that new car. I'm saving up to get out of this apartment. I'm saving up. What about my desires? And then the second reason is this. Our reluctancy is a fear of lack. Well, there's not enough. There's not enough left. So if I pay my tithes, there's no way. Faith isn't what we see, but faith is who we trust. If you're just trying to figure it all out, that's the natural. But as you release it and realize that 10% doesn't belong to you anyway. In fact, it all doesn't, but he's given me that 90. As you release that, it's not now what I see, but it's who I trust. Here's the last thing about tithing today. Tithing is the best investment that you can possibly make. Why? Because you take the responsibility literally out of your hands and you put it in the hands of God. But we're going to understand that there is still responsibility that you need to have. But really, let me say it better this way. You're taking the control out of your hands and you're surrendering it. So it's surrender, not control. As I give, I'm surrendering my finances to God and I'm saying, God, I want you to take control. Again, I want you to get this into your spirit today. The reason God tells us to tithe is less about money. That's the test. But it's more about us honoring God and giving Him the first place of our lives. That's the test. Finance. But it's really so I would honor God in every area. What's our, what's our theme for this year coming into it? Pray first. Remember that? We got wristbands for you. What was our thought with that? You got to put God first before anything else. Pray. Trust God. That's what tithing is doing. It's before anything else. It's saying, God, I trust you. Deuteronomy 14 verse 23 from the Living Bible says this, the purpose of tithing, here it is, is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. I didn't write that. I said I didn't fab that and put that in there. That, that, that's from God's word. Think about this. If you're having a guest around your home, if we're going to have a guest around our home, we're going to do it Louisiana style. So what does that mean? We're going to have a good meal. That's anything in Louisiana, anytime people get together, involves food in Louisiana. And so we're just going to have a good... So if I'm planning to have some people around, and Kelly and I are planning, we're going to have some preparation. Well, what are we going to make? What are we going to cook? And then with the preparation, we've got to go to the store, because you've got to buy it all in. Then it's cooked, and then it's prepared. Why? Because you want the best meal possible. That when they open the door, you want to hear them say, Ooh, that smells good. You want that excitement. You want some, you want some people to be wiping their nose when they eat because you know it's spicy enough. Yeah. You, you want some response back from all of those things. You wouldn't dream of, would you, inviting people over your house and wait until they get there and open the refrigerator and say, guys, let's, let's kind of see what we can find in here. We've got some pork chops from three weeks ago. We've got some... Chinese from last week. I think it's still fresh. We've got some. Let's just grab all. You wouldn't dream of pulling out the leftovers for your guests. But that's exactly what we do with God. We take care of all of our needs. We take care of all our wants. And then when it's God's turn, he ends up with the leftovers. And then we expect him to bless. Our lives. Ouch. 
We give God the leftovers, but we expect him to bless the whole amount. Remember, we talked about this earlier. Tithing's not always easy. It involves a sacrifice. But it's the truth that works. Honoring God is not the amount, but it's rearranging our priorities so that God is first in our lives. You may say, well, it is the amount because he gives the amount. I know, but we get so hung up on that. We fail to see what's the purpose of that. So we would honor God first in our lives. And it's easy for us to say God's first in my lives. But does our spending reflect that? Because our sinful nature or our nature tends to be selfish. Me first. Me first. You see, the problem isn't money. The problem is order. And here's what it says, Master Your Money by Ron Blue. He said, here's our way of managing our money. Here's the order that we do in our lives. We spend it first. Then we pay our bills. Then we pay our taxes. Then we save and invest it. And then we give it tithe if there's anything left. That, that's our way of doing it. So the problem isn't the money. You may say, well, if I just had more money... You've got to get the order right, whatever money you've got. So if the order's wrong, it's going to be more wrong when you have more money. Because if you can't pay tithes on $100, you're never going to pay it on $1,000. Just saying. Just saying. So you've got to do it the proper order. So here's the proper order. Here's God's way. You've got to give it first. That's the tithe. Your first 10%. You then need to save it and invest it. Pay your tithes. Pay your bills. And then if there's anything left then you can spend it. That's for you. Well, I don't like that. Well, the Bible tells us that's the truth. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these things are going to be added to your life. We've got too much subtraction and division in our life, but why can't we do it God's way? Because it starts with addition, but then God moves into multiplication. And He wants to bless your life. So the first principle that we learn is this. I've got to tithe consistently. Here's the second principle. Are you ready? I've got to manage responsibly. Say with me, manage responsibly. I'm standing here today as your pastor telling you this. This portion is equally as important as just what I taught you. Because the church world for too long has taught people and told them and almost beat them up with it. You just need to tithe, tithe, tithe. Because God says they don't show the benefits. They don't show the rewards. They don't encourage people with that. But what they've basically said is you just tithe and then you can trust God with the rest. Jesus only. Jesus would take care of it. You give to him and then he'll take care of everything else. But you know what? The Bible also says that we've got to have wisdom. Wisdom is required to live a life that pleases God. So just paying my tithes is part of it, but it's not the complete portion. Because now what I've got to do is I've got to make sure that that 90% that is in my hands, I am managing responsibly. We're talking about having unity in our finances. We want you to have worry-free finances. So what does that require? It involves you being a good manager of what God has given you now. Now, well, I'm going to manage it when I, now. The Bible says if you're faithful in the little things, God can take you to the bigger things. If, you, if you're not faithful to pay your tithes, if you're not faithful to manage what you've got right now, if you can manage your money on two hands, you're never going to be able to do it on a calculator. 
So you've got to manage what you have. Another word for good management is stewardship. Anyone ever heard that word? Stewardship. Being a good steward. A steward is someone who manages something that does not belong to them. I am managing something that doesn't belong. And that's the problem we have right there. Are you ready? The problem we have is ownership. Well, it's mine. I worked hard for it. I went out. I did this. It's all mine. I did it. So I own it. If you are planning for success financially, here's how it happens. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God has bought you at a high price. So now you must honor God. Put him first in your life with your body. What does the Bible say? One translation says you ain't your own no more. You ain't your own anymore, but you are God's. And now God is calling you to maintain what he has given to you, to steward it and to take care of it, to manage it well. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 12, Moreover, it is required in stewards, who God says we are to be, that one be found what? Faithful, the amplified version says this, worthy of trust. It is required in a a steward that you are worthy of trust. So what is God looking for? God is looking for good managers that can be trusted to make good decisions with the things that they have been entrusted with. Instead of grumbling and complaining about what you don't have, start being thankful and managing what you do have. Because you are so blessed today. Oh, you can always have more, but check out the people who have more. How's their happiness going? Check out all the movie stars on their 29th wife or husband. Come on, they're sleeping around. They're in drugs and out. They're searching for the next thing because there's no contentment in the world. Only Jesus can bring great contentment. Incidentally, if you want one of these books, I've got like 38 of them. So don't tell the 11 o'clock service. You can clean me out. They're in the connect zone. You can have them for free. But listen to what John Siebeling says in this. He says these words. He said, a stewardship mentality sees our money, however much or little that we have, As God's resource that's poured into our lives for the purpose of meeting our needs, blessing us and accomplishing his purposes in the world through us. Good stewards feel a sense of responsibility to please God rather than just themselves when it comes to managing their money. You see, there's a relationship between tithing and being responsible. And this is the unity part. That I want to get to today. Because the two principles are this. Look at this statement. The two principles of tithing and good management are what? Interrelated and interdependent. Hang there because you may say, well, what's that? I'm getting to it. They are interrelated and interdependent. Meaning this. They will work together, they depend on each other, and can only function when both are present. We cannot follow one 
but not the other and expect God to bless our finances. There has to be unity in our finances. We've got to tithe, but we've got to manage well what God has blessed us. We've got to tithe and manage well. We can't just tithe and expect God to bless the mess. There's got to be unity. So what have we got to have? We've got to obey. That's to pay our tithes. That's obedience. But then we've got to be responsible. We've got to manage. This is not what's preached many times in the church. It says just obey and give to God. But you've got to be responsible too. You've got to manage what's left. Let me say it another way. Can I break it down so you can see it? I want to lose some weight. I'm talking about you, not me, because I'm looking good. No, I'm playing. I want to lose some weight. So what do I do? I go to the gym every day. So I'm going to the gym and I'm running two miles on the treadmill. I'm working out. I'm in the gym. Two hours, man. I'm sweating. I'm doing good. But on the way to the gym, I stop at Krispy Kreme and buy some donuts. Not long after I leave the gym, I'm going to McDonald's for lunch and I'm getting a Big Mac with extra fries and a Diet Coke. Then for supper on my way home, I'm stopping at Papa John's because they've got the two-liter special. Come on now, you buy a two-liter and two and you, you get all those. How many would say right now, there's no wonder that you're not losing weight? But that's how we are. We're like, well, I'm going to the gym. I'm like paying my tithes. I'm paying my tithes. Yeah, but you're eating Krispy Kreme, McDonald's, you're eating Papa John's, you're doing all. Come on, our finances are no different. Listen to me today. Even after giving God first place tithing, we cannot set back and continue our bad habits waiting for God to remove the financial mess that we have created. Here's us. Are you ready? Here's us. God, I've paid my tithe, so now you've got to take care of it. You know, I've realized this. We're struggling with payments of things that in the first place we never trusted God and prayed and asked if that was the decision we needed to make. I'm going to go one step further. Maybe you prayed, but you didn't wait for the answer. You forced the answer. So now God's responsible for that car that you didn't even need because the one you had was perfectly good enough. Now God's responsible to pay for that extra apartment that you got and the old one was doing you good and that was where you needed to stay because you were living in your means. You see, you want God to bless something that he hasn't blessed, he hasn't checked off, he hasn't endorsed. You've you got to get your money, your home in shape. You've got to begin to manage your accounts and your affairs because we've got to have what unity in our finances. Oh, we've got to tithe, but we've got to manage what's left. I'm almost done. I mean, I'm out of time. I'm some, I know some of you don't like that, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to come at you. You ready? I'm just going to come at you. Tithing does not negate your responsibility. Well, now I'm just giving it to God, and now it's all His. Hey, He'll take care of that 10, but He's trusting you to handle the 90. And if you can't handle the 90 properly, why is He going to give you an increase to that? Why is He going to give you blessings to that? You see, understanding all of this is really not the hard part because God's Word clearly says what we're to do. We've got to be blind to not see what God's Word truly tells us to do. That's not the hard part. The hard part is implementing it. It's walking it out, working it out in our lives. I heard this, and I think this will really help you. 
We don't need accounting degrees to manage our money successfully. A lot of people think, well, I've got to go to school then. It's personal finances. (laughs) And it's more personal than finance. Have you ever heard the 80-20 rule? Well, here's how it plays out with your finance. It's 20% head knowledge. You need some head knowledge of finance. But 80% of it is behavior. (laughs) It's the habits that you have. It's managing yourself. You don't have to have a Starbucks coffee every day. You can buy a bag of coffee that's cheaper than one Starbucks and it will last you for a month. Look at it. It's not the management that you have a problem with. Come on, the head knowledge. It's the behavior. And you've got to start looking at those. You go through Dave Ramsey and all those kind of things. He'll tell you, cut your cable if you don't have money. Get rid of your cell phone. Cut it down to the limit plan. Oh, but we want God to bless us. That's not living a life of faith. No, that's living a life of stupidity. Because you're expecting God to bless something that's within your means to make some change. Am I preaching to you today? So let me give you two great helps when it comes to managing responsibly. You've got to define your financial goals and you've got to design a working budget for your life. And we've got people that can help you with this. Jim and others in this church can help you. We just need to know. We, we can sit down and help you with these kind of things. But you can really help yourself. And you really know what to do. And a goal is really good for our life because, because a goal gives us something to reach for and, and it makes it easier to pay the price now for what we want to accomplish later. Let me say that again. Here's why goals are so important. Because they give us something to reach for and in the process they make it easier for us to pay the price right now because we know what we're going for. Be specific with your goals. I want to reduce my debt by 20% by this time next year. I want to pay off a credit card. I want to get my student loans. You see, so here's our goals. Here's what we need to have. Are you ready? We need to tithe and give. That needs to be our first goal. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to put God first. And then I've got to start saving. I've got to make the wise choices that I need in my life and eliminate debt. I've got to have those things. That's goals that I've got to have. Now, your goal may not be to save and invest right now, but you need to tithe and eliminate the debts. So you can. And then the second thing is this. You've got to design a working budget. Band, you can come back. A budget that works for you. Not a budget that works for you in the fact of, well, I I just want this. A budget that works for the money that you have. And you've got to create margin in that budget because don't take it down to the last penny because there's always going to be something else that's going to come. A budget is a simple tool that can help us to get a look at our financial situation. It may not be pretty, but it can be fixed with discipline and planning. Don't deny it. Don't turn a blind eye to it and say, well, uh, uh, hopefully I'm going to get that pay raise next month. Don't plan for what you don't have. If it's not in the basket, it's not available for you. Don't plan on what could be. I I could plan on, well, Kelly, I'm believing for God to give us a million dollars. Let's just go out. That's foolishness. God wants you to be a good steward with what you have in the bucket right now. And you've got to start plugging some of those holes because you can have more in your bucket than you realize. There's a lot more blessing. And so what do we got to budget? What is budget? You've got to know where your money's going. Look every week. Start discovering, wow, that's crazy. I'm spending that much on cable. I've been to the movies that many times. This I've eaten out that many times. 
Start looking at where your money's going. Take stock of that. Plan a monthly budget. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to put in food. Here's what I'm going to put. And if there's anything left, here's what I can spend. But if not, I'm not going to be able to spend this month. I guess it's just red beans and rice this month. But hey, I can add bacon next month if I do a good job this month. Plan a monthly budget. And then after you've planned that budget, evaluate it and adjust it accordingly monthly. Because you've got to control your spending. I know I've given you a lot of information today. And like I said, there's some books available at the back where I got a lot of these materials from. But we're giving you principles today that will only work if you make a commitment to them. You've got to do them. You didn't get where you were overnight and you're not going to get where you want to be overnight, but you're going to get one step closer to it as you start managing those things and prioritizing those things. Proverbs 21 verse 5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts will lead you to poverty. Develop good hill, good habits, uphill habits. Remember we talked about that, habits for success, which takes time takes patience, takes consistency, accountability, lots of effort and work, but it's worth it. Here's something I just wrote for the end of my message. So many times we want God to change the problem, but God wants to change you. God wants to change you. You don't solve money problems with money because the problems are still there. So we want God to change the problem where God says, no, the problem's you. And I want to change you. God wants to change you. Would you stand to your feet? Last scripture I'm giving you today. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not copy the behaviors or the customs of this world. What is the world doing all around us? It's it's charging everything. It's spending. It's out of control. It's out of control. But the Bible says don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. By what? Changing the way you think. We need to change our thinking. When it comes to our finances, we need to have a renewed mind because the Bible says then we're going to learn something. We're going to learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing and perfect. What is his will for your life? Financial freedom, debt free, worry free. How do we get there? Putting God first, tithing consistently. Secondly, managing responsibly, taking what we have and using it. But how do we do that? We've got to renew our minds.